Be delighted this holiday season at Ice and Lights, the winter village at Cameron Run. Just minutes from Old Town Alexandria. Stroll through the park and enjoy winter photo ops, light displays, hot chocolate, and a warm treat. The winter village offers playtime for the entire family. Extend the magic of the holidays by visiting early, starting November 17th. Get your tickets now at CameronIceandLights.com. That's CameronIceandLights.com. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? Over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, the people's bishop and pastor of Harvest Church. We exist to lead people to totally love God, love people, and love life as one church in global locations. Find out more on our website at www.harvestchurch.church or get our app by texting the word HARVEST to the number 877-552-4746. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Now here's today's life-giving message. Lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith together. Everybody, lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith together. Y'all ready for the word? I said, are you ready for the word? Let's go. For God's glory, this is my best year yet. To the word I'm about to hear, I believe, I obey, I manifest, and that settles it. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we're open and we're ready. We ask that you speak to us this morning on campus and online. God, we let you know that we drop down every motive, every agenda, anything that would be opposite us putting you first right now. And Father, we pray that every distraction be removed. We pray that every witch, warlock, weird spirit, off spirit, Father, that you bring it into alignment right now so that there be nothing that opposes the flow of the word of God today. You said where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So I pray that even over these next few moments as the word goes forth, let there be liberty online. Let there be liberty on campus right now. Come on, 915, say, speak, Lord. I'm open and I'm ready. Can I get you to lift your hands and just worship God for five seconds before we get into this word today? Come on, YouTube. Come on, Facebook. Come on, Twitch. Come on in the app. Come on on the website. Hallelujah. Come on, tell the Lord. Say, I'm ready, Lord. So, guys, we're in this series called Summer Songs. Now, I teach in series at Harvest because I want you to get results. And the only way you get results is when you have a prolonged focus on something that allows you to really get the meat of the message. So, this month's series is called Summer Songs, Sing Biblical Principles in Summer Songs. And I actually opened the series not with a song but with a popular summer event, one of my favorite pastimes, the summer 
cookout. And I taught you how one cookout, and what does a cookout represent? A weird, unexpected situation. It changed a man named Saul's life for the better forever, and he became both a prophet and the first king. I need you to hear me. God is going to use in these next six months of your life a weird and unexpected situation to change your life for the better forever. Saul was literally the son of a man named Kish, and his father was not a prophet. The Bible just says that his father was a wealthy, influential man. Kish, the name in Hebrew, the language of our Old Testament, it literally means a powerful man. So he's a powerful, influential, wealthy man. But watch me. The Bible does not say that he's a prophet, and there has not yet even been a king in the history of Israel. Saul would be the first. Can I tell you who you sit next to? You're sitting next to a history maker. I I need you to open up your mouth and say, I am a history maker. Come on now. Uh, you're going to be the first one in your bloodline to accomplish certain things, to do certain things. Watch me, to live certain places, to go certain places, to take certain trips, to do certain things. You were not sent just to pay bills and die. You were sent to rule and to reign and to conquer and subdue. You're the line crosser. You're the boundary breaker. You're Come on, open up your mouth, 915, say, I'm that one, I'm that one. And I literally showed you this. The cookout happens in 1 Samuel 9 and 22. Uh, Samuel, uh, Saul is invited by Samuel. Samuel's the man of God. Saul is the main character. In the story, realistically for you, I'm your Samuel and you are Saul. Samuel invites Saul to sit at the head of the table at the cookout. And when he invites him to sit at the head of the table in the cookout, watch me, he is served a piece of meat that is superior to everybody else. In fact, Samuel says, I was saved this for you before I even invited anybody else. What happens for you in this next six months, it's going to seem new to you, but God's going to say, what took you so long to get here? Come on, I need you to hear me. You got opportunity waiting on you. You have doors that are waiting on you. You got people that are waiting on you. You got places to go. You got people to see. Can I get you to open up your mouth and say something amazing is waiting on me? I Come on, 915, speak that thing with authority. Say something mind-blowing is waiting on me. So he gets invited to the cookout. Literally, it's a great feast. He's invited to the cookout. He's invited to the cookout, and he gets sat at the head of the table. He sat at the head of the table because for the last day of his life, was he going to be the tail and not the head? For the last day of his life, was he going to feel like he was being overcome when he was really an overcomer? For the last day of his life, was he going to feel insignificant because he was from the tribe of Benjamin, which was the smallest of the 12 tribes, and his family was the most insignificant of the 12 tribes. What if I told you God has had you in hiding only so that he can make sure before he released you that you were ready? And I don't know who I'm preaching to at this 915, but it seems to me like you're finally ready. I, I'll preach my own self happy. It seems like you're ready. Can I get you to fist bump somebody around you? Tell them, say, it seems like you're ready. See? Come on, online, I need you to tag somebody. Seems like you're ready. You, you've been in hiding for years, and it was not punishment. It was preparation. You've been underground for years, but baby, everything God's been developing underground, it's about to be seen by every. He is placed at the head of the table. Say the head of the table. 
And as he's placed at the head of the table at the cookout, then Samuel says, tomorrow morning, uh, listen, let's have a good time. Let's have a celebration uh, because this celebration marks the beginning of your reign. Let's talk. This celebration marks the end of that painful part of your life. Let's talk. This celebration marks the fact that you're not going back to where you came from. This celebration marks the fact that your past is over and your present is now and your future looks amazing. I need some of y'all to let the enemy know you should have got me when, when you had me. But baby, it's too late now. You should have took me out when I was out there doing my own thing, but it's too late now. Oh, I need you to open up your mouth and say, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Come on, 915, say, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Listen, 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 listen. He is literally there. And Samuel says, tomorrow morning, listen, he says, I am going to um, uh, announce to you and announce to the nation who you are. So he's anointed and appointed king because it took the man of God in order to put him in the proper place. The man of God had to see something that was on him, and then he had to speak to what was on him. And as your Samuel Harvest, I speak to you that every gift, every talent, every skill, everything that God has placed in you, in these next six months, I speak that God's going to pull it out of you in ways that exceed your expectations. Y'all better hear me. You anointed and appointed. Anointed means I've got the grace for it. Appointed means I got the receipts for it. Anointed means I was built for it. But appointed means, watch me, I built it better than when it was given to me. I need you to know you sit next to somebody that's anointed and appointed. You're going to not only have the grace for it, baby, you're going to have the receipts to show But once he's anointed and appointed king, Samuel stands up in front of the nation. And when he stands up in front of the nation after gathering together, the Bible says that they could not find Saul. Because sometimes once you hear good news about you, it sends you into hiding because you're so used to the negative about you. Let me talk to the real people in the room where you're so used to your self-doubt, it almost seems wrong to ever believe that you could. Let me talk to some of y'all where you're so used to little, big seems bad. You're so used to uh, having to beg people to support you that when people support you, it almost seems like something's wrong because you're not used to it. But I need you to hear me, 915. You better get used to it because that's where you're headed. As your Samuel Harvest, I speak it over your life. Somebody say, that's where I'm headed. He's hiding, what's the Bible says, among the baggage. Now, he wasn't hiding behind the baggage. The Bible says that he was hiding among the baggage, which means he's literally hiding. What does baggage represent? Where you've been. Baggage is full of stuff from where you've been, and you're taking it to where you're going. And for some of you, you got to hear me. God says, I need you to learn how to live light. And I don't just mean that spiritually, I mean that practically. Because God says, you're going to have to bust a move real fast. And I don't need you having too many things you're trying to take with you. I, there's some people from your past that cannot come into your next. There's some mentalities from your past that can't come into your next. Let me check everybody in the room. There's some attitudes that you've had that cannot come into your next. 
they are baggage. It represents where you were. It does not represent where you're going. And the crazy thing about baggage is that once you get off the plane, you will stand there and wait for it, which means your baggage is the reason some of you have been delayed. But I need you to shake somebody next to you and say, let that baggage go. Let, come on, YouTube. Let that baggage go. Come on, Facebook. Let that baggage go. Let that friendship go. It ain't no friendship. That's a leech. The only time you hear from them is when they want something from you. Stop begging people to love you. In your next six months, God's going to send some people to you that are going to be everything that you never had. Bishop, I need Bible to back that up. He said, I'll give you vineyards you didn't plant. I'll give you houses you didn't build. What's the principle? God says that if you're faithful in a place where you don't get what you need, I'll trust you with a place that's more than what you need. I don't like the way some of y'all not talking back to me. That's all right. Preach to yourself, Bishop. I think I will. If you're faithful in a place that does not give you where you need, God says, I'm going to trust you with people that'll give you more than what you need. And in these next six months, come on now, 15, let's prophesy. Say, it's getting ready to happen. Bible says after he's anointed and appointed clean, he's hiding among the baggage, and the Lord has to call him out. Samuel says, where is Saul? And the Lord has to call him out. Samuel never dreamed he'd take the throne. Listen, because there was no throne. He never dreamed he would take the throne because there was no throne. He was, in fact, the first king. Here's what's amazing about your next six months. See, Scripture says things like this, I hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered the heart. What does that mean in the Bible? The mind of man. In other words, God says, I have things prepared for you that you can feel are greater, but you have no clue what it looks like. I wish there was somebody at this 915 that's like, I know there's greater. I have no clue what it looks like. I have no clue. Matter of fact, when I see it, I might not even recognize it. But I know that 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 there is more. 915 on the count of three. Open your mouth and shout. There's more. One, two, three. There's more. He never dreamed that he was going to take the throne because there was no throne to take for Israel because he was the first king. And then what happens? After he's anointed, after he's appointed, he, watch me, he sees who's with him and he ignores the scoundrels. This morning the Lord told me, he said, son, don't take on the spirit of the scoundrels. Because sometimes when you're so used to dealing with scoundrels, you can turn into them just so that you can learn how to cope and deal with them. Okay, what is the scoundrel? Uh, look at 1 Samuel 10, 26. There were some men whose, God, uh, whose hearts, which means mind and scripture, God had touched to go with him. Somebody say this. Say, everybody can't come. Listen, God is not interested in everybody from your past being a part of your next. Because some of them were present, but watch me, they serve no purpose. Because they have the spirit of a scoundrel. And I taught you what that was this past week. Go to the next part. It says this. The next part says this. It says, it says uh, some scoundrels who what? Complain. Somebody say they complain. So this is the spirit of a scoundrel. What does spirit mean? It's the mentality of a scoundrel. They complain. What is a complaint? It is presenting a problem with no solution. It's hot. Duh, dummy. We know that. What are you going to do to make it cooler? 
I didn't need you to announce what was obvious. I needed you to give me a solution. I pray you're surrounded with solutionists in the next six months of your life. You ready? I pray you are a solutionist in the next six months. That when a problem shows up, you're like, wait a minute, there's got to be a solution. There's got to be a way through this. There's got to be a way out of this. Some scoundrels who, number one, they complain. Number two, they scorn. Um, this means they were unpleasant to deal with. It just, every time you looked at their face, it was disgusting because you were like, there's so much attitude on your face. Every time you had to deal with them, it was just, it was disheartening because you said, how is everybody else excited and you're the only one sitting up in the room that's all slouchy and leaning up again? Y'all ain't going to sit under me. Watch me. They were unpleasant to deal with and they were complainers. I pray that you would not be a complainer and I pray that you would not be unpleasant to deal with. In fact, when you walk in the room, I pray that the room would come alive. Bible says that he has given us, he has come that we might have life and life more abundantly. Life is the Greek word zoe, which means when you step in the room, everything ought to come alive. When you step in the room, every sad person ought to start laughing. When you step in the room, every dead thing ought to come to life. I need you to know you're sitting next to some zoe. You're streaming with some zoe. I am life. Come on now, 15, say I am life. Some scoundrels who complained, they scorned him and they refused to bring him gifts. So they were, watch me, they dishonored him and they disrespected him. Listen, any, anywhere something is disrespected, it will never, watch me, it will never remain. See, if you disrespect, watch me, if you disrespect money, it won't remain with you. Ready? If you disrespect counsel, it will no longer remain with you. If you disrespect a good leader, they will no longer remain with you. You ready? Whatever you disrespect will become displaced. Pay attention. They complain. They scorn. They refuse to bring him gifts. Everybody else in the nation said, long live the king. Long live the king. And they came and they brought him some gifts. Not because he asked for it, but because Samuel had just finished telling them to do it. So after the man of God gave them instructions, there were people amongst the nation that said, we heard what he said, but we're going to do what we want. And I need some of y'all to hear me. People are going to people. Instead of focusing on who's not going to do it, I pray that God will turn your attention to who is going to do it. See, there's some friends, you told them, hey, I just really need you to pray for me right now. And you know what they did? They said they were going to pray for you, but they never opened their mouth once. I don't need you to focus on them. I need you to focus on the ones that said, I'm not going to wait to pray. Let's pray on the phone right now. I Pay attention to what Saul did, 915. The Bible says that Saul ignored them. Say he ignored them. In other words, here's what that phrase means. It means he kept plowing. To plow means I'm preparing to sow seed because I'm getting my harvest. In other words, you're not going to stop me from plowing because here's what the enemy wants to do. If he can't kill you, he wants to distract you. And there's nothing worse than a distracted person because a distracted person is a dead person walking. Because you're, so, you're looking at the scoundrels that you stop your plowing. You're looking at the scoundrels, so you leave your equipment here to turn around and go find out why they're not doing what they're supposed to do with their equipment. And I pray your next six months will be distraction-free. Come on. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Come on, 915, say it. And my next six months will be distraction-free. 
Bishop, what do you mean my next six months? The rest of July, August, September, October, November, December. They will be distraction free. He ignored them, 915, and he kept plowing. And then last Sunday in the message, Summertime, that was the song by Will Smith, we learned that God's cause them use Saul's anger. What's anger? An emotion for Saul to take constructive action. I taught you last week, literally the Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Saul. And watch me, and he didn't rise up in strength. He didn't rise up and start speaking in the Holy Ghost. You know what he did? He rose up and got angry. And I taught you last week that sometimes there are emotions that you cannot shake. And the reason you cannot shake them is because God wants them to shake you. I'll talk over here, please. There's some emotions where you're like, man, I didn't pray about this. It's still there. I fasted about this. It's still there. I worshiped and it's still there. Could it be that you can't rebuke it because it didn't come from the enemy? It came from God. And you're like, I'm just mad all the time. Well, maybe you're mad because God says that's the only time you're going to bust a move. I'm just frustrated because God says until you get frustrated, you're not going to move forward. Well, Lord, I just can't believe these people did me like that. Well, until they disappoint you, you're never going to keep it moving. Sometimes certain things have to die so that better things can live. Oh, my God. Come on, 915, open your mouth. Say certain things have to die. So that better things can live. Say it again. Say certain things have to die. So that better things can live. Say it one more time. Say certain things have to die. So that better things can live. I was watching Pet Cemetery. I told y'all on Wednesday. I was watching Pet Cemetery, and um, and and I had honestly never seen the full original one. I just saw the new one from a few years ago. I never seen it. And in the movie, the guy says. Um, Basically, for those of you who don't know the movie, it's a horror movie. And, well, you know, it's a movie with a cat with some scary eyes. And, um, and so in the movie, the guy, says, um, the guy says, certain things are better left dead. Because sometimes our belief is everything that dies needs to come back to life. There are certain things that needed to die, because here's what you never asked yourself. Who killed it? There are certain things God killed and God says, I want that dead. And the reason I want that dead is because sometimes you won't move on until it is dead. You won't take your next step until it is dead. God, the Bible says, came powerfully on Saul and he became what? Very angry. And then Saul has this great military victory after that. But what happened? Saul became successful. And when Saul became successful, Saul became stubborn. And his stubbornness made him stagnant because he refused God's command to obey the Amalekites. So let's just walk it through. He's invited to the cookout. After he's invited to the cookout, he is sat at the head of the table. Now, you'll notice the table is on the other side. Because watch me, because one cookout will get you all the way over. You'll make one one major step from one unusual situation. What if I told some of y'all at this night, but you were simply one step away from a whole new life. I, I need to stir your faith, 915. What if you were one move away from the best days of your book? What if you were one conversation away? Come on, open your mouth and say, I'm one step away. 
Then he hides behind the baggage that he's anointed and he's appointed king. But now that he's had some success, he's stubborn. He's stubborn. And stubbornness makes you stagnant because stubborn is a chain. Stubbornness, watch me, look at the definition. Stubbornness is refusing to change. It's a determination. I'm not going to change. Your attitude or your position on something in spite of good reasons to do so. See, some of y'all, look, I can see stubbornness on your face. And, and, and see, I'm going to call it out because I feel a real apostolic grace right through here. Oh, you think I'm playing? You ready? Let's go. <laughs> some of y'all just like, what just happened right there? <laughs> Listen, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on the man of God. Come on, elbow somebody next to you and say, you cannot be stubborn. You cannot. Come on, online, I need you to tag somebody that you know is stubborn and let them see me telling them right now, you cannot be stubborn. Why? Because when you're stubborn, you're going to become stagnant. It's a determination not to change your attitude or your position in spite of having good reasons to do so. So what were Saul's reasons? God said, destroy the Amalekites. Literally, I talked to this on Wednesday. The Lord said to him, destroy the men, destroy the women, destroy the children, destroy the babies, destroy the... Don't you save one of them. And sometimes you are too nice to your enemy. Because you're trying to be accepted by what would kill you if given the opportunity. Y'all not going to say nothing to me? You are trying to get the applause of what secretly wants to see you atrophy. Oh, but I need somebody at this 915. They say, but that's not happening in my next six. That's literally, literally, God said, this is what I want you to do. Saul was like, well, I'm not going to do that. And at first, he blames the people. At first, honestly, he doesn't even take responsibility for it. He's like, he goes to Samuel. He's like, look, man of God, I've done the will of the Lord. And Samuel's like, oh, really? What are the sheep that I hear? He's like, are you really going to lie to me like this? What's crazy about stubbornness is that it'll make you a pathological liar. And you will convince yourself you're telling the truth. I'll say it again for those of you that didn't say nothing right there. What's crazy about stubbornness, it, it will make you a liar. And you will literally swear you're telling the truth. Okay, some of y'all evidently, okay, maybe you need to look to your left and your right. Because you literally, well, I promise this is what happened. And that's literally not what happened. You know that's not what happened. The receipts don't say that's what happened. But you're standing by that's what happened because your stubbornness refuses to let you see what's right in front of you. Oh, but 915, I need you to open up your mouth saying, I release my stubbornness. I, Lord, don't let us be stubborn because we have no time to be stagnant in these next six months. Lord, wherever we need to change, give us the grace to make a change. Wherever we need to change our attitude, give us the grace to change our attitude. Wherever we need to change our position, give us the grace to change our position. Come on, 915, say, I will not be stagnant. Say it one more time, I will not be stagnant. So what ends up happening? What ends up happening, you ready? Um, is that he becomes stubborn. And because he becomes stubborn, that leads us to today's message. It's a song by Stevie Wonder. And it's kind of a, it's kind of, it's a sad song. Song is, never dream you'd leave me in summer. Now, it's so sad, I don't even want him to play it all the way through. Because it's one of them songs that play at the end of a scene. And even if you're the hardest man in the theater, you'd be like... I mean, it's one of them songs. Now, pay attention. Saul never dreamed the kingdom would leave him in the summer. But can I go deeper? Here's what this song is about. This song is about 
grief. Now, Bishop, how do you get from this celebratory place to grief? Grief is our automatic response to loss. Whenever you perceive you have lost something, your mind automatically takes you through the process of grief. Maybe you lose a relationship. You lose a friendship, which I take issue with the very notion that you can lose a friendship because you cannot lose, watch me, a friend. Which means if you lose what you call a friend, all you simply did was discover we were never friends. I can't lose a friend because all, all I did was discover. Watch me, it's kind of like, um, you know, you ever had somebody say, you're going to lose somebody good, and you're like, well, see, when you're the type of person that adds more value to people, it becomes an impossibility for you to lose because you add value. But it's our automatic response to loss. You lose a house, you grieve. You lose a car, you grieve. Uh, you, you know, you, you lose your battle to lose weight, <laughs> you grieve. <laughs> You're like, that battle didn't work. You grieve, you grieve. If the loss of a loved one, you grieve. The loss of a job, you grieve. The loss of an opportunity, you grieve. Can we be honest? The last two and a half years of world history have left the majority of the world in grief. And because we had to keep it moving, we never got an opportunity to deal with it. I want to talk to some of y'all where the truth is you know how to take a licking and keep on ticking, but the truth is you never took the time to deal with your grief. Here's what's crazy about grief, 915, is grief can be paradoxical. What does that mean? Is that it, it, paradox is two conflicting statements that are somehow joined together about the same thing, right? So how can it be hot and cold at the same time? That's a paradox. You got it? Um, but literally, you can be sitting up under a vent, which makes you cold, but it's hot at the same time. That's a paradox. And so you can literally get a new job and grieve. And you say, well, what am I grieving? I got a new job. Shouldn't I be celebrating? Well, what you're grieving is the loss of what you knew. What you're grieving is the loss of what was there. And I'm going to talk to some of y'all because what's going on in you emotionally right now is that God is preparing you for your best six months ever. But simultaneously, you got some feelings and emotions that aren't matching what's been prophesied. Am I talking to anybody where you know greater is ahead, but at the same time, you're like, why do I feel like this? Say grief. Come on, everybody open your mouth. Say grief. In 1 Samuel 15, 28, this is what Samuel says to Saul. Remember in the story, um, naturally and practically for you and I, I'm your Samuel, you're Saul. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Now, see, listen, here's what I love about God is he's not going to be unambiguous or excuse me, ambiguous. He's not going to be unclear. He's going to be very specific. So Saul, Saul, first off, he lies. I did the will of the Lord. And then Samuel's like, no, you didn't. He was like, oh, okay. Well, it was my soldiers that made me do it. Be careful that you don't get influenced by who you're supposed to influence. Because there's a lot of people who you think you're the head of your pack and you don't even recognize your pack is leading you. Y'all still with me? And so um, they go back and forth. And so Saul is like, okay, fine. I didn't do what I was supposed to do, but just honor me. Don't let me be dishonored in front of these people. It's amazing how sometimes we fight to save face instead of making a determination to do what was right in the first place. 
He's like, don't embarrass me in front of these people. Do not do that in front of these people. It's amazing how people can act a fool with you. And now, okay, let me prove it to you. Parents, your kids will act a fool in public. And then when you check them in public, I can't believe you, mom. I can't believe you. You get showed out where you showed out. You acted a fool in front of everybody, so now you got to get checked in front of everybody. Y'all don't like that, but it's right. So God, God, was, like, God was like, hey, 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 hey. Um, listen, I wish I never would have made this Mark King. Mark is an urban colloquialism. Is that Atlanta in the building? I know that laugh. Mark, uh, that's an urban colloquialism. That's an urban colloquialism. I know that laugh. That's an urban colloquialism um, that, that just simply means this fellow that I really don't care for no more. God is like, Saul, I was so happy about you when I invited you to the cookout. But now, I'm going to need that invitation back. Now, listen, I'm going to take you out the group text. Now, now you're going to see everybody else at the cookout on Instagram, and you're going to say, did nobody tell me nothing. And it's not because you messed up. I hate the way you handled your mess up. I'm not mad that you messed up, Saul. I'm mad that you messed up and then tried to make it seem like I messed up. I'm mad that you messed up and wouldn't own it. I'm mad that you messed up and wouldn't take responsibility. Come on, 915. How many of us can be honest? We have messed up, and we're not blaming anybody else. God, it was us. For every person that knows your past has not been squeaky clean, can you be honest with the Lord at the 915 and say, Lord, it was me, it was me, it was me. Saul never did that. And so because Saul never did that, Saul said, the Lord's going to tear the kingdom from you. He's going to give it to a neighbor who's better than you. Who is he talking about? David. What's amazing is Saul is somewhere, uh, Saul reigned for 42 years. He takes the throne at age 30. We don't know exactly when this is, but we know that David would be anointed to be king at approximately 16. He would not take the throne until age 30. So why is this significant? Is that David didn't get the kingdom until years later, which means God canceled him, but let him keep the seat for a season. Hear me now, for some of you all, you are about to sit in positions where you're like, there's no way I could get that. Somebody's in that. Oh, that's because he canceled who's currently. You're about to move from the bottom to the C-suite. Y'all not saying that because he has canceled who was already in the seat. God, he literally cancels. He cancels Saul. He was like, you can keep the job, but you're fired. He said, you, you, he said, you can keep the bads, but I don't fool with you no more. He, he said, he said, he said you, you can even come to the meetings. He said, but I'm done with you. He said, because I've seen your heart, and I don't want this over my people. Come on, open your mouth, 915. I know it's getting real right through here. Just say, say, Lord, keep my heart right. Because it's easy for your heart to drift once you start really thinking you're doing something. Any of y'all ever had some people who, when they really started thinking they were doing something, you were like, this is who you really are? This is what's in your heart? This is how you want to act? Wow. Okay, look at me. Verse 35. And Samuel did not see Saul again. So once Samuel, the man of God, checked Saul, then Samuel said, I'm leaving the church. <laughs> My season shifted. <laughs> My season changed. I don't like what you told me. 
it won't change that it's facts. And it won't change what, see, see Saul, what you should have did is you should have taken that time to repent. Instead, you ran. I rebuked the runner that might try to rise up on the inside of you. Come on, say this, say this out of your mouth. And I will not run. Come on, 915, say that thing with authority. Say, and I will not run. And Samuel did not see Saul again. Here's the part I want you to get to in the verse. But Samuel grieved over Saul. Samuel's like, I never dreamed you'd leave me in summer. I thought we were going to be in this together forever. I thought all this journey we've been through, I thought to you would keep going forward with me. I, I thought that after we, listen, look at all the work I put into you, Samuel. Saul, I mean, I invited you to my cookout. I let them give you the good ribs. You ever done things with certain people with the expectation that it wasn't transactional, but it was relational? Come on, I need to talk to some real people tonight. You ever done some things with people and you were like, you know what? I normally probably wouldn't do that, but because we're building something here. We got a friendship. We got a partnership. We got something going here. Maybe it's a romantic relationship. I'm building this with the long term in mind. I never dreamed you'd leave me in summer. Series is called Summer Songs. I never, I never dreamed that everything would change just like that. The difference a day makes. Can we jaywalk over to Job? Because if we were to jaywalk over to Job, uh, one day Job is on top of the world. The Bible says he's the wealthiest man in all of his region, and he's presenting offerings for his children, and he's that guy. And then there's a meeting in heaven about him, and God says to the enemy, I'm going to let you do what you want. Don't touch his life, though. There's a hedge of protection around him. The next day, Job's life falls apart. He never dreamed that what he had spent his life building would leave him in summer. You'll catch it. You never dreamed that family member that you were talking to months ago would exit the earth. I want to talk to some real people. You never thought that relationship was going to be over. As far as you were concerned, that was your forever, 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 forever. And forever was five years. You never dreamed that the business that you thought that you were building that was going to take you to the top would be over like that. You never dreamed that the job that you had sacrificed everything for, that the job would bring you into the office and say, holla, we need to reduce head count. And you were part of the count that needs to be reduced. You never dreamed that the family members and the relatives that you thought would be there for you to support you, you never dreamed that you'd find out that they were the main ones trying to sabotage you. Never dreamed you'd leave me in summer. Saul has now left, and Samuel is grieving him. Is there anybody that can be honest? And I know, I knew right here it was going to get kind of rough, so that's why I prepared this message with this little dip. Dip, baby, dip. It's a dip. Ooh, but we're going to come out the dip. Because it makes you begin to deal with what you have simply put up under the covers. Because I never dreamed something would die like this. You never thought you were going to have to leave the house you've spent years planning for. 
You never thought the car that you nicknamed and gave it a little cute baby name. You never dreamed that you were going to walk outside and she was going to be gone. You never dreamed. You never dreamed. You never dreamed that certain people that you expected to be there would not be there. Never dreamed you'd leave me in summer. And here's the crazy thing about grief, y'all, is that most people are grieving and don't know it until you tell them they're grieving. Let me prove it to you. If you were to look at the physical symptoms of grief, here they go, sleep issues, fatigue, restlessness, nausea, pain, and tension, decreased immune system. You get sick over anything. Difficulty stopping. Once you get going on something, you won't stop. You have, watch me, or the antithesis of that. You are inactive. You do nothing but wake up late and pretend like you're clocking into your remote job and then go to Nordstrom for lunch. Clumsiness. You dropping stuff like, how did I drop that? It is because your body is trying to tell you, you never dreamed this was going to happen in summer. You'll catch it. You never dreamed you'd be in a moment of grief. Can I go deeper? Emotional symptoms. You're crying and you don't know why. You're sad. You have fear. 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 You have anxiety. And then sometimes you can even feel numb. You can feel empty. You can feel lonely even though you're surrounded by people angry. You're mad. You always want to argue. You always want to fight. You always want to start something with somebody. It's because maybe you are grieving. You feel helpless like there's nothing anybody can do and there's nothing you can do. And then here's the one. Watch me. Look at your neighbor. It's because sometimes they are irritable. Just wink at the person next to you. Just wink at them online. Wink at somebody with you. Irritable. You call them and you got a great attitude and they answer the phone with irritability. It's quiet in here. Low confidence. You can say, I, just, I need to work on my confidence. You're grieving, baby. Low self-esteem. Loss of interest in purposeful activity. Purposeful activity. I just don't feel like I need to serve right now. You're grieving. Or you're grieving. I just don't feel like I need to do this right now. You feel a loss of interest in purposeful activity. This is why it's dangerous to make decisions in the midst of grief. Because it'll have you quit what you should be continuing in. And it'll have you starting what you have no business doing. Oh, but I need you to elbow somebody. We're we almost out of this dip. But elbow somebody and say, I command grief to leave you today. Come on, I need you to elbow somebody else, please. Even if you got to get out of your seat, fist bump them, elbow them. Just say, I command grief to leave you today. I... Come on, YouTube. Come on, Facebook. We're about to be out of this dip. But I need you not to be grieving. I need you not to be irritable. I need you not to be emotional. Go to a third person and say, I command grief to leave you today. Woo! You're not going to lose interest in purposeful activity. Let's go. Cognitive symptoms. We're almost out the dip. Slow thinking. Slow thinking. You'll spend an hour thinking about something that should have taken you 14 seconds. You have stuff on your to-do list that has been on your to-do list since March of 2020. 
You literally had a whole shutdown and still didn't get it done. Because when you're grieving, your, your cognitive, you, your, your thinking is slowed. You have a difficulty deciding things. You have confusion. Here's the one that's most interesting about these cognitive manifestations and symptoms of grief is that you'll have false daydreams and flashbacks. What do you mean false? You will look back on something that was horrible and say it was amazing. You'll look back on a bad relationship and be like, man, I so do miss Ike. Anime Bullock, if you don't come up out of here, I sure do miss Diamond. Oh, I forgot, that's an 11.15 reference. <laughs> you ready? You have false daydreams. You'll, you'll look back on people that were awful and be like, well, they weren't that awful. They only lied. They only stirred up mess and drama, but you know, they were funny. That's because they were a court jester and you were a king and you liked being entertained instead of evolving. Ooh, come on, we're about to come out there. We're about to come out there. This time, don't touch your neighbor. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, I command grief to go today. I and I'm going to show you why you can do that. Look at the spiritual symptoms. A sense of distance from God. I just, I just feel, I just... I just I don't feel close to the Lord. You're grieving. And it can even be something good that has you in a place of grief. You can have a child and then go into grief. And then say, I just feel distance from God. Then watch me. Look at this one. Anger at God. You walking around mad at God. Come on, everybody lift your hands. Huh. He should have came through. And what's crazy about your grief is you walked up in here to give him your attitude. You logged online to give him your attitude. You're that person that you show up to the dinner to be petty and you didn't really want to go to the dinner in the first place. But the truth is you wanted to be there, but your petty had you acting with an attitude while you were there. Oh, I'm going to go. Oh, I'm going to go. You sitting there the whole time just, hi, how are you? <laughs> Oh, no, I'm definitely going to see him. Oh, I'm definitely going to see him. Oh, no, I got something to say. And when you get there, you don't have nothing to say. You just have attitude to give. Distance from church, whether that's on campus or online. I just, it don't feel the same. Oh, I didn't change. You did. Oh, the same Holy Ghost that used this mic and this man and this place to change your life? Oh, it's the same. What changed? Your grief. Grief. You have spiritual symptoms. You have physical symptoms. Look at these social symptoms. Isolation. You don't want to go nowhere and then talk about how nobody invites you to nothing. Everything they invite you to, you don't want to go. Come on, let's go eat. Mm -mm. Come on, let's go to the show. Mm -mm. We're going to show up at the house. Mm -mm. Come on, let's go on a walk. Mm -mm. Come on, let's go on a run. Mm -mm. Come on, let's go do nothing. Mm -mm. <laughs> Isolation, withdrawal. You ready for this one? Come on, 950. We about to come out this dip. I knew it was going to be a dip. I knew it was going to be a dip. That's why I wore my good, my good loafers today so I could slide right on through this one. You understand? You ready? You're in your head. You in the room, but you in your head. You at lunch, but you in your head. 
Because the whole time you're sitting at lunch, you're in your phone, pretending like you're doing something, you ain't doing nothing but being in your head. It's quiet at this 9.15. You are it. Okay, come on. Can we have an honest moment, 9.15? How many of you, you ever just been, you've been somewhere, but you've not been there. You've just been in your head. My hand is up. You've just been like, you know, I don't know. What's going on? Say it again, darling. I wasn't listening to nothing you were saying. <laughs> Run that one more time. I wasn't listening to nothing you were saying. You be on the phone with people just talking. And, they, you know, and I just really feel like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. You ain't even listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you right about it? Are you right about it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Certain cultures, we have certain way of letting you know we're trying to get off the phone. We'll say, all right now. <laughs> That's cold for all right. Let's wrap this up. All right, okay, okay then, well. But you'll be in your head. You'll be in your head. So watch me, you'll miss moments because your mind has you in missed moments. Here's the last one, marital or relationship stress. It just means people who are close to you. There's stress on that now. So because you're grieving, who gets it? Who's close to you? Who gets the brunt of your grief? Who's around you? Who gets the brunt of your grief? Who really loves you? Look at David. David, he's grieving the fact that his son Absalom has had a coup on him and tried to overthrow his government. And David is on the run from his son. Do you know what David's doing? He's grieving the fact that even though he hasn't lost his son, he knows that he's lost his son. See, for some of you, your grief started early because God knew something was coming and he needed you to prepare for it. But then Joab says, Joab says to David, you love who hates you and you hate who loves you. Because everybody around uh, David was catching his grief. And Joab was like, we just, we just restored the kingdom to your hand, sir. And you sitting there crying because Absalom is dead? Yeah, we killed him. You told me not to kill him. You didn't tell me I couldn't have one of my servants kill him. Man of God, you got to be specific. You said handle it, so I handle it. And I looked at how he treated you. And could it be possible that there's some people who love you more than you've ever been loved before? And so when they handle something for you, you're not used to them handling it to that level. I'll leave that alone. Social symptoms, physical symptoms, emotional symptoms. You ready? How many of you, after hearing those symptoms, you can say, wow, maybe there's some areas of grief that I wasn't even paying attention to. This message hit me this week because I recognize there's some things that, that I am pre-grieving. Ooh. Um, because, because sometimes, watch me, um, when you are, when you are headed into your best, God needs you to have a funeral for the rest. And I need some of y'all, you ready for me? I need you to let the dead be alone. Rest in, there's certain things that have to die and I need to leave them dead. And you want to know what you're going to do at this 915? You're going to have the funeral.
ashes to ashes, dust to dust. There's some stuff that has to stay in the past and it cannot come into your future. Lift your hands and worship God for five seconds right now that there's some things that are in your past that have to stay there. Some dead stuff that has to stay there. Some grief that has to stay there. Some pain that has to stay there. Come on, say grief. You've got to go. Say it again now for the we're going on something. Say grief. You've got to go. One more time, and I need you to say this thing with every ounce of authority you got on the inside of you in this building and online. Say, grief, you've got to go. There are five stages to this thing. Number one, denial. When you're grieving, you'll deny you're in grief. And so some of you are like, I'm not grieving. That inflection at the end is proof you are. I am not grieving, Bishop. <laughs> Why you say it so strong? I am not. That's not happening. That's proof it is. First stage of grief is it's not happening. Not only am I not grieving, but what I'm grieving didn't happen. What I'm, this is not real. Because I never dreamed you'd leave me in summer. This isn't real. So, nope, it didn't happen. We walk by faith. Not by Sight. That's for your future, not your past. Faith can't change what is already and what has already happened. Faith is for your future. Faith is for your future. Faith is for your future. Number one, denial. Number two, anger. Then you get mad. You're mad about the grieving process because you're mad that you're mad. I'm sick of walking around here with this attitude. And then you're mad about what happened. You're, you're mad about what happened. God, how could you let this happen? God, where were you at? God, why didn't you make something? God, what, what is this? God, why is this happening? So now you're mad. First you deny it's happening. Then once you realize it's happening, you're mad that it happened. It's like reading the text the first time and you don't read it all the way through. And then the second time you look at what they said and you said, this person. <laughs> then you, you bargain. What's bargaining? God, please don't let this be. God, God, God please don't let this be. God, don't let I put all of this into Saul. Don't, don't, I put all of this into Saul. You ready? I put all of this into this friendship. I put all of this into this marriage. I put all of this into this business. And you just see verses, but you didn't see my blood, sweat, and tears. Don't let, don't let this be. Don't let this be. You ready? Next stage. Then depression. Here's depression. You feel numb. So you start going through the motions. You're on autopilot. Purpose doesn't get you up. The clock does. And when you do get up, you say to yourself, Alexa, give me 35 more minutes. 
she give you 35 minutes. Alexa, give me two minutes. Why y'all looking at me like y'all don't ever do this? If you go look at your alarm right now on, on your Siri, it's got 400 different times you didn't talk. Siri, give me an alarm for 652. And then she go off for 652. God, dog, Siri, give me an alarm for 654. <laughs> I need these two minutes. Sometimes when you're in this stage, you feel like you're watching yourself. You feel like you're looking at yourself. Because all depression is is simply a discouraged place that you stayed in too long. It's just a discouraged place that you stayed in too long. And I came on an assignment at this 915. Because some of you, you've been in a discouraged place in certain areas of your life, and you've been there too long. I need you, come on, we're about to come out of this dip. I need you to open up your mouth and say, it ends today. It ends. Say it one more time, 915. Say, it ends today. Say, it ends today. The five stages, that's the first four. Let me show you 1 Samuel 16. So in 1 Samuel 15, Saul and Samuel, Samuel is grieving. And in 1 Samuel 16, I want you to see what God says to Samuel. This is the same thing he's saying to you today. You would think God would say, come here, son. Come here, come here, son. Oh, come here. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. We're going to make it through this. Hey, hey, we're going to make it through this. You know what God says? Say right there. Say right there. Say right there, Samuel. You know what God says to him? You know what God says to him? You know what God says to him? Look at the verse. He says, how long are we going to do this? How long are you going to grieve over Saul? I rejected that mark. I canceled that friendship. I shut that business down. I ended that relationship. How long are you going to sit up and grieve it? See how real I just got in the room? Because what we were expecting was God to, oh, come here, son, oh. Because sometimes you want God to come to your pity party. And he doesn't come to pity parties. He throws cookouts. Come on, come on, come on. I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. It's not that he doesn't love you. It's not that he doesn't comfort you. He just says, we can't stay in this position forever. We can't cry over this forever. And I need somebody at this 915. It's time for you to wipe your tears. Wipe your eyes. Put your shoulders back. I need you to touch somebody next to you. We're almost up 915. Say, you can't grieve any longer. Say, it's time for you to get up again. Say, your next is already ready. Say, your next is already ready. 915, is there anybody that believes your next six are going to be your best six? I can't grieve. I can't stay in grief. I can't stay in grief. Look at the screen. Look at the screen. Look at the screen. Look at the screen.
Look at the screen. We're done. He says, how long are you going to grieve over Saul? Since I have rejected him from being king over Israel. He says, I didn't reject him. He just can't have this seat anymore. Let me see if I can say it another way. He did not honor what I gave him. So he can't have it anymore. You ready? He didn't honor you, Samuel. So he can't have you anymore. How long will you grieve? Saul, I love that guy. Amazing guy. But he can't have his seat anymore. He doesn't get that privilege anymore. He doesn't get that right anymore. I gave him years. And the only thing I got from him was excuses and attitude. So I decided to find somebody else. You ready? Come on, talk to me. Why y'all so quiet? We are out of the dip now. We in the Tusi roll. <laughs> Cotton candy. Sweet and cold. Let me see. Oh, it's the 915. I apologize. Amazing grace. <laughs> Y'all so spiritual. I thought it was the 915. Not you ready? He says, he says, listen, hey man, um, I love you. But we got work to do. And I think, I think Saul thought that if he didn't do it, I wasn't going to do it. I feel bad for every person that thought that what they sabotaged or what they attempted to sabotage was going to shut you down. Come on, speak this over your life, 915. Say, and I will not be stopped. And I will not be shut down. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Here's the next part. Here's your instructions, 915. We got to go. Fill your horn with oil and go. Uh -uh, come on, 915. We got to go. He said, fill your horn with oil and go. What does oil represent? The anointing. He says, I need you to get every bit of oil you got, every bit of anointing you got. What is my anointing, Bishop? It's the places where you were crushed, but you got back up. Because to get olive oil, you have to crush an olive, which means your anointing represents every place you've been crushed, but you survived. I need to check this 915 in this building and online and make sure you sit next to a survivor. If you sit next to a survivor, you'll know because their praise will reflect the level of their oil. Go. Every survivor, every survivor, it crushed you, but it didn't kill you. It disappointed you, but it did not stop you. It delayed you, but it did not deny you. Open up your mouth and shout, I'm anointed for this. Which brings us to this fifth stage, five stages of grief recovery. The fifth is acceptance. Look at what God tells him. I will send you. Now, if y'all don't shout here, I'm just, just shout, okay? This is good for you. 
When you shout, you ain't, this is for you. You ain't doing that for me. This is for you. He says, listen, get your horn of oil. He said, because here's what I'm going to do. I, I have, I'm sending you to Jesse. Say, hey, Jesse. I'm sending you to Jesse. Jesse's name means a gift from God. I got a gift for you. Uh huh. Because you got over your grief. This is why I need you to get out of your grief today, because there's a gift waiting on you. And you're not going to get your gift if you're sitting there in grief. 915, this is not for me, this is for you. Come on, somebody say, I got to get out of my grief, because there's a gift waiting on me. There's a gift waiting on me. And your name's about to be brought up. And favor's about to find you. And opportunity's about to open for you. There's a Jesse waiting on you. There's a Jesse waiting on you. There's a Jesse waiting on you. Come on, look at somebody and say, I got a gift waiting on me. I got a gift. 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 What's a gift? I couldn't give it to myself. What's a gift? It's favor. What's a gift? It's super to my natural. Somebody say, there's a gift waiting on me. He says, I have a gift for you, and it's, it's in the house of this Bethlehemite, which means it's not in the same city you're in. I have a gift waiting on you in the, in the house of this Bethlehemite. What does Bethlehemite mean? It means meat and bread. These, these, are, these are some meaty ribs. This is great. Listen, and good white bread. Listen. I have meat and I have bread for you. Meat and I have bread for you. I got another cookout for you. Y'all not listening to me. Oh, oh, wait a minute. And it gets better because I got some hot links for you too. Now, you can't have no cookout without no. Y'all better say something. In other words, I know you thought Saul was the best. Oh my God, I want to shout. I know you thought what you had was the best, but what I'm about to do is going to be exceedingly, abundantly. Up. Somebody say, and my next is better. Come on, say, my next is better. Look what the Lord says, we got to go. He says, for I have provided. He said, he said, I got a gift for you. But, but you're not going to get to your gift if you stay in your grief. Question, what gift is beginning to spoil because you keep sitting in your grief? Come on. Got to get everybody in the building to stand. Everybody in the building, everybody online. Say, and a gift is waiting on me. Come on, y'all. We have to go. We have to go. Come on, open your mouth and say, say and a gift is waiting on me. But it's not in your grief. 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 Bishop, well, how do I get through this? Go back to the, the first part of this verse. He said, how long? How long are you going to grieve over Saul? Look at me. 
how long are you going to not deal with the reality of what reality is? How long are you going to grieve Saul? He was the first, but he won't be the last. It's what you birthed, but you have birth and power to birth more. How long will you grieve over Saul? I've chosen somebody else, something else. Get your oil and go. Some say, where am I going, Bishop? Out of isolation, out of withdrawal, out of fear, out of losing sleep. You work too hard to lay down and not be able to sleep. Listen, I don't know about you, but when I sleep, I want all of my rest. Give me my Z's. Out of your moodiness. But you just say, this is just how we are. That's because nobody in your family ever grieves right. Hmm? Hmm? Nobody ever grieves right. Everybody just pops off on people. Apologizes later. And nobody ever grieves. So nobody ever gets the gift. And here's the thing about me. I was, I was having lunch yesterday, and the lady said, uh, she, said uh, she said, I think you get another side. And I said, I, no, you don't. They say, right here. I said, oh, I see what you, oh, you're trying to hook me up. <laughs> I was saying, no, ma'am, right here, the paperwork says, God is trying to hook you up. And you keep trying to tell him, God is like, I'm trying to do something amazing for you. And your grief has you confined. Can I get you to lift your hands in this building online? Say, Father, in Jesus' name, you said you've borne my griefs. That means you've taken them. I'm a human, so I'll go through the process. You don't fault me for that. I don't fault myself for that. But what I do is make a decision. I can't stay stuck in stage one. I got to get to stage five. I accept whatever has to die. I accept what has already been. And I embrace with joy my Jesse, my gift. These next six months are my Jesse. They are my gift. And I thank you for it. There's another cookout schedule with my name on it. I speak blessing over these next six months. I speak life. I speak mind-blowing opportunity. I speak that I'll be happier than I've ever been. I'll have more joy than I've ever had. I'll live a life I never dreamed was possible. I choose to go from grief I choose to go from grief. 915 put a praise in the atmosphere right there. Hallelujah. 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 
We got to go with your heads bowed and eyes closed in this building or online. When you become a Christian and recommit yourself to the Lord wherever you're at, this is your moment. God's not mad. He's not angry with you. He's not. How do you know? Because you still have a pulse, which means he still has a plan. See, Saul could have changed everything had Saul just simply said, Lord, you were right. I was wrong. Part of repentance is saying, God, you were right. I was wrong. Forgive me for getting that attitude with you. If you need to become a Christian or you need to repent, that means you're just simply saying, God, you were right. I was wrong. If you're in this building or online, wherever you're at, on the count of three, throw that hand up. If you're online, do the hand of the emoji. Say it to me. No guilt, no condemnation, no shame. One, you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself. Some of you may say, Bishop, I'm not sure. Be sure, which means when I get the three, you need to respond. One, two, three, if that's you. Hands up in this building. Online, do the hand wave emoji or say it's me. Wherever you're at, wherever you are at, everybody, let's move quickly. Say, Father, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for your love for me. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are my Lord and my Savior. Give me the grace to be a faithful Christian. If I fall, give me the grace to get right back up. I will not live in grief, but I make a conscious decision, just like Samuel, to get up and keep going. I'm going to enjoy today. Woo, come on, y'all. Say, I'm going to have a good time today. Say, after church, I'm going to have an amazing day. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I shall rejoice and be made glad. I'm going to have a great July, a great rest of this year. Jesse is waiting on me. If you just pray that prayer for the first time or recommitted yourself to the Lord, would you take out your phone, scan that QR code, or text decision to 877-552-4746. Hear me, guys. Some of you are already saved, but you need a shepherd. You need a Samuel to speak life into your life. Whether you're here in Denver, whether you're in Atlanta, where you're across America, around the world, you can connect with our Harvest family. We'd love for you to be a part of the family. Text join Harvest to 877-552-4746 or scam that QR code. Listen, for those of you who came in late, you weren't able to give, I want you to get that opportunity in case you logged in late or you, you came in the building late. I want you to get that ready. Secondly, for those of you who want to sow the seal, what is the sowing the seal? It's literally from this story with Samuel that I've been teaching you and Saul, that when a word speaks life into your life, you sow into that word. And here's the number I heard. Here's the number, here's the number that I heard. Here's the number that I heard. Here's the number that I heard. Whatever you sow today, I want you to put a seven in it. Seven is the number of completion. Whatever you sow, 57, 87, 107, 77. It's the number of completion. I'm getting my seed in the ground. Somebody say, and he's completing something. Come on, 915, say, and he's completing something. Never judge somebody's harvest if you don't see their seed. Faithful givers do what? Lift your giving to the Lord in the building online. Say, Father, I sowed a seal. And I believe that like Samuel, I can't stay stuck in grief. There's gifts waiting on me. I let go of grief. It's a conscious decision. I accept what has happened. I accept what it is. And I decide to keep it moving with joy, with excitement, with passion. Come on, speak it with authority like you hear me say. And these next six months, 
Say, and these next six months, come on, 915, say, and these next six months will be my best six months ever. In Jesus' name. Did you make a decision to become a Christian for the first time or recommit your life to Jesus? We want to help you make Christianity a lifestyle and not just a hobby. So just text the word decision to 877-552-4746 and we'll send simple next steps so you know what to do next. We're praying for you and congratulations. Remember, your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.